We're so old. <laughs> We're so, how Especially old? Dan. What? <laughs> In the time that you have been married, I have owned at least one PS4. <laughs> That's a that's a major accomplishment, Dan. You should be really proud of yourself. And I'm saving up for a PS5. <laughs> Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Dan Vega's Mega Money Quiz. <laughs> Figure out of what you do. <laughs> Wait, is that what the chunky yes, game show is called? Yes. What? <laughs> oh my gosh, I've never actually paid attention to what that show is because that show effing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> show sucks. Oh, oh my gosh, gosh the best. Gotta right. figure out what chunky deal is. <laughs> figure, out you, figure out what you do. Okay, I'm your host Patrick Hervey, and I'm joined today. By Dirty Dan, the parentheses Orlando Magic Man, and Jason Lamprecht, aka Two Four Six Zero One. What's going on, dudes? Dude, three man weave today. Three man weave. Uh, who am I? Who am I really? Oh, the best. You know who isn't. You know. You know who isn't gonna have one day more. The Golden State Warriors. Should we just jump right in? Honestly, let's do I it. Mean, let's just jump in. Other, <laughs> jump in. other than the the burst of my children, <laughs> what I experienced last night, just the, the jubilation, the elation, the happiness, <laughs> the joy. I mean, I've really never experienced anything like that. To see this <laughs> dynasty. I mean, I don't know. I We'll, we'll get into like the, the uh, actual ins and outs of the series in, here in a minute, but it does kind of feel like the dynasty's dead, no? Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch oh witch, the... <laughs> Warriors, which <laughs> you uh, anybody really, really jumped there, just like Javier, just just jumped, jumped right off. Wow, we're just, <laughs> we're just <kidding. laughs> dude, that's messed up. <laughs> and I, blah, blah. <laughs> oh my don't forget my name, dude. Pitch perfect, rush. <laughs> should, should we just do? We know Steph had to, Steph had to like drag Jordan Peele. Jordan all, Peele. Uh, Jordan Peele. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Jordan Poole all the way around like he's uh like he's oh dang it what's that guy what's the character's name dang oh, it oh man <laughs> is this another Les Mis reference <laughs> yes where he drags the, the he has to drag his, the, his daughter's lover oh, through the Mar- sewer Mar- to save his life Marius yeah. I was like Marius Eddie Redmayne is he Irish <laughs> He's, he's empty. You know what we got up here? We got a bunch of empty chairs and empty tables, boys. Oh my god! Uh, this is off the freaking rails already. Terrible. We're gonna end up deleting half of this. That's okay. That's okay. Look, we had to jump right into the the Warriors. We're going to talk about them in a minute because on today's episode, we are going to get into some reactions to uh, most of the semifinals series wrapping up um, because we're recording this on Saturday, May 13th. So the Celtics uh, 76ers game seven has not taken place yet, but we'll, uh, we'll take a look at the series that have wrapped up. And then we're going to preview both conference final series. And then finally, we will wrap up with my mud pie moment of the week. 
Okay, so let's kick this off with uh, we're we're getting into some bench reactions, reactions <laughs> today. <laughs> nailed it! Nailed it! <laughs> Hashtag nailed it. Um, okay, so I mean, I, I I do think that because of the investment, you know, most of us had on this podcast in the Lakers Warriors series, one of us, you know, rooting for a team because we love that team and we grew up rooting for that team and uh, the others of us rooting for that team because we wanted the dynasty that the Warriors have put together over the last eight years to end. And boy, does it feel like it has ended, but I do want to kick it over to, uh, to my guy, Jason, to just take a victory lap, man. The floor is yours. We're here to support you. Never in doubt except for literally every minute of game six for some reason. I, uh, the, obviously, for those who don't know, the lamest references are because while the game was happening live, I was at a uh, live performance of Les Miserables, uh, which I bought tickets for many weeks ago, not realizing that it might uh, <laughs> go inside. You, you little dummy. <laughs> also, I like that it was a live <laughs> performance of Les Mis. Like, you could have been watching it. I could have gone to a. Sh- I have gone to a movie theater to watch a play before on the on the screen, but we can get it. was fully back anyway. Um, Fleabag. It was. Check out Fleabag, everybody. Anyway, um, so so um, you know, I, I I so I watched it starting at around eleven p.m. Uh, maybe 10 30 11 p.m did you know the outcome before that or you like nope. purposely wow. nope wow. i was full wow full zero dark 30 i turned off notifications on every app that could result in com- receiving communications from another human being um i turned off my phone f- uh, and except for like the five minutes that i had to use it to get a scooter <laughs> to, to, to scoot home from the theater um <laughs> And uh, fired it up knowing nothing, uh, having recorded the game. And I, I, it, it was elation, but also at every moment of that game, I thought that it could flip. Like That's the Warriors, was, man. That's what the Warriors do to you. This is what I've been experiencing for the last eight <laughs> years of my life. And you finally understand it, and it brings me so much joy. Also, the, yeah, just, being, just being angry at Draymond... Anybody who thinks that like the the Lakers get like favorable treatment by the referees needs to just look at what happened between Dennis Schroeder and Draymond Green in Game Six. One of the true atrocities of, is is <laughs> just Dennis getting thrown out. <laughs> and the second Dennis got thrown out, I thought, "Oh man, here it comes." Um, especially because. The three-headed Lakers guard monster that I talked about like six weeks ago as being like a th- you know a real thing during the regular season, they decided to bust it out for Game Six. That's, uh, that's you know two series in a row where Darvin brought some extra special adjustment for Game Six that paid off. But yeah, it was it was such an anxious experience watching that game alone assuming everyone else in the world was asleep and not being able to text anyone about it (laughs) but but, you know again never in doubt I definitely you know it became very clear to me during the series 
that the Warriors were just keeping the Lakers' seat warm. Um, and for the 2010s, like, somebody had to be, like, the, you know, the, the evil empire who everybody hated. Somebody had to win the championships because we were taking a few years off there. Um, but you know what? Golden State, we're good. Like, we're back. We can take the seat. We don't need you anymore. Feel free to go back to mediocrity. Um, also, screw that corgi. That corgi knows nothing about basketball. You sure about that? So, are you sure about that? <laughs> sure about that? Uh, so, just so just so proud of the Los Angeles Lakers, two and ten to the Western Conference Finals. The best part about this is if they end up winning the championship, um, Pat Beverly and Russ Russell Westbrook will get rings. With the Z. <laughs> Rings, baby. If, the, if, the, if those guys were as, as like prideful, as competitive as they have uh, depicted themselves to be, they would not accept them. <laughs> right? Like, no way. No get way. out of here. No way. Patrick Beverly was outwardly saying his like goal for the season was to keep the Lakers out of the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, he like, kept himself out of the playoffs <laughs> instead. It's unfortunate. <laughs> sure so it's unfortunate. After they had, what, a 10-point fourth-quarter lead over the uh, Eastern Conference finalist Miami Heat? Yep, they sure did. They blew it. The bubble. But look, side note, the bubble is back. The bubble is back, back, baby. Crazy, right? It's nuts. Like, the, the, I'm like, I can't pronounce anything right now. Celtics Heat, jeez. Right? Or that is definitely on the table, depending on what is going on tomorrow, but right like bu- bubble basketball i don't know if that's it's wild i would not have guessed that 3 years later no i so look we're not we're not here to talk about the bubble we're not here to talk about the the heat quite yet we're not here to talk about the sixers or boston you know <laughs> we're going to talk about them in a minute i just really want us to enjoy this moment <laughs> and i'm telling you yeah. guys like the level of anxiety that i have experienced over the last 8 to 9 years watching this team you know, taking a little little walk down uh, down memory lane here, like going back to I remember watching this team in 2013 when they had that series against the Spurs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. we I I remember the game where it like clicked with me where I'm like, oh crap, <laughs> this team is going to be really good. Watching Steph go off, look, they didn't they didn't beat the Spurs, but the fact that they got a couple games off that Spurs team. Mm-hmm in 2013 that I mean you guys remember 13 14 those Spurs those Spurs teams were legit that was still at the tail end of kind of the Tim Duncan Manu Tony Parker experience and then you had Kawhi in the mix as well and then 2015 happens 2016 happens obviously you know my beloved Thunder Mm -hmm. uh, blow a 3-1 lead Um, granted you know the Warriors ended up losing in the finals which was also one of the highlights of my life um (laughs) Then my favorite player ever goes from my team to the Golden State Warriors, rips my heart right out of my chest. And it's just been a roller coaster ride, man. Like every time you think that the dynasty was done, they came back. It's like the freaking Hydra and Hercules <laughs> or whatever. It's like you cut a, you cut one head off and three others pop up, right? Like they have figured out a way to make this thing last way longer than I think anybody thought they would. Me for sure. I mean, the bubble going back to 2020, 2021, they had those weird seasons where, um, I mean, obviously a huge, huge part of that was Clay's injuries those two years. I think 
in 2020 was the year that Steph went down in like game five, yeah. right? He played like five games the entire season. But then these last couple of years, like they win the championship last year. Obviously, it's been well documented for me, this whole snip snap. You know, it, it obviously has been kind of a joke, but also very serious. So, um, you know, going through the the superstitious practices that I've had the last two series, watching them beat the Kings, Steph Curry go absolutely nuclear, nuclear, <laughs> nuclear. Uh, and then to have this happen. And for me, the chef's kiss is like all this chatter, all this talk about, oh, well, if, if Steph beats LeBron, you know, we may have to start talking about him potentially surpassing him and which I always thought was complete nonsense. Um, I just feel vindicated, you know, I feel vindicated. I feel uh, just, just good. I feel like I'm at a press conference right now talking about how good I feel. Um, the King reigns on and we'll see what the, what I guess. So here's my question. Look, that was like a four minute monologue. I appreciate you guys letting me go on that journey. Um, it was really therapeutic for me. I feel much better now. My question for you guys is, looking forward right to this off season and beyond. Do you think that this dynasty is truly over or do you think that there's any way that they can retool? And like, I, I, I want to know for my own, own anxieties sake, can you guys help me? <laughs> Wait, Dan go first, but first I want to ask. So did we settle on, it was a snip or a snap <laughs> where it ended? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, I, think a, it was a snip. It, I think it was a snip, right? Yeah, it I ended so. with a snip. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, it ended with a not real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, go oh, for it, Dan. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. I think uh, I think it's over. I think it's over, and I I think it's that way because do they have another good basketball player outside of Steph Curry? Um. And like, right, obviously that's that's like like hyperbole here. Obviously, Draymond still has like a lot left in the tank and, and can offer like a lot as a basketball player. But very strange that with pretty close to exactly last year's championship team, right? Like if your answer was like Otto Porter the whole time, then like, I don't know. I, I don't know. And I think to Warriors brass deciding to bet the ponies on Jordan Poole, uh, that that is like yeah brutal. And, and you know who brutal. knew? Draymond knew, right? Like I mean, we joke about the punch, but I think I mean a obviously he wanted to get paid and and the money didn't go to him. Right? They paid Jordan Poole instead of paying him. But also I think just like as a as a competitive basketball player, like who watched last year and was like, you know who the $125 million man is like Jordan Poole. Like he played, I like, look, he played well last year. Right. But dude, he played like 10 minutes a game in the finals yeah. though. Did he not? I swear. I remember his minutes getting like cut. Oh, he lost a lot of minutes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So especially paying him that much money when you have Steph Curry on your team, like, I don't know to, and Steph Curry's one of one, like Jordan Poole obviously can play well, but he's not, clearly not Steph Curry, right? You can't rely on him in the, in the same way. And so I think, honestly, I think Golden State um, bet on the, on the wrong dudes. They just bet on the wrong dudes this year. And it showed kind of all season. They've been inconsistent all season. Um, and in terms of retooling, like what moves do you have at this point, right? It, it, is, it is sad to see <laughs> Claytheism die right, right in front of our eyes. Man, 
to go from from game six clay to three for 19 it was like three for 19 and i don't remember what he shot from three it was like two of eight did you see his reaction to seeing his his no actually in the press afterward he literally pulls up to his seat and he, he sees the sheet and he just goes shoot (laughs) (laughs) it was it was i mean it was classic clay right like he's he has a good attitude about it but never say never i mean he did it certainly didn't look good but like he had moments during the right during the season and he had moments in the king series where he looked like clay again so i don't want to completely give up i think he was on him but i think he was quite good for about half of this series yeah like i felt i saw him make a lot of shots uh, uh, he just I went in the bet. toilet the last like three games. Yeah. That was the problem. There yeah. was like, one moment yeah. I remember specifically from game four. Quick aside, I think it's my personal opinion. I think game fours are the most interesting in the series because it's either a sweep, 3 1, or knotted up in it. And so, like that, that game four with uh with lakers um warriors was awesome. It was that was an amazing game. And there's was this one moment when there's maybe a minute 15 minute 20 left something like that and it's a, i don't remember the score exactly but it's really close right it's within a possession and clay with like 21 seconds left on the shot clock just chucks up a contested three and right and just bricks it and steve kerr flips out on the sideline like what are you doing and that to me just sort of felt like clay trying to be like no i'm still clay right like i'm still here I'm still like, I'd like, I'm still me. Like I can do this. Like, it was just weird seeing him play. Like he had something to prove, I guess. Um, like a little bit out of control in his shot selection. And so, you know, and it's weird, right? I think that this past regular season, it was, it was a really good three point shooting season for him and, and, and there, but he did, he did like, in terms of insp- like striking fear in the hearts of men, like he has before, like the God of clay that he is, it just like it, it wasn't there. That three for nineteen, like game six, just sort of, just like adds that. Where it's like, man, where, 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 like Steph has had moments where, where he's really showed up, and in the playoffs, he continued to show that he's still Steph Curry. Clay, don't know if he's still Clay. And so, how does that? What does that look like? Like going forward? Yeah, I don't know. Steph's at the peak of his power <laughs> still, in my opinion. I mean, he he looked he absolutely incredible is. against the Kings and really good for most of the series against the Lakers. He had a couple not great games, but I, like I was saying in our, our text thread today, I think the main issue is there was nobody else on the team that could create. And so it was the the yeah. burden of, you know, putting together anything off the dribble, creating any sort of offense from nothing was completely on his shoulders. And that gets tiring, man, especially when you're down three, one, um, you know, he, he definitely had his fair share of games. I do. So one thing to point out and then Jay, I'll kick it over to you. But one thought that, that I've had in watching this team, the last couple of series is they really screwed up this whole, like trying to bridge the gap between this younger generation and, you know, the old guard and the new guard, so to speak, trying to be cute with like, Oh, you know, we're going to have two simultaneous timelines going on at the same time. Well, guess what? James Wiseman isn't even on the team anymore. They traded him for, what like a second rounder and a bag of ruffles or something um yeah and they tanked a whole season to get that pick a whole season yeah and i don't i haven't gone back and looked at the draft after Lamelo. was that that wasn't the halliburton draft was it um no i think the halliburton draft was when they took Mm -hmm. kaminga and moody right um i think you're right or 
Yeah, and so Kaminga was like the seventh pick. Moody was like the thirteenth pick. Yeah. Um, Did Franz go yeah. before Kaminga or after to Orlando? Did he go with the sixth pick? I believe like... it was before. Okay. Yeah, I think it was before. Yeah. But it's just like but... these, you know, it's these sort of like sliding door moments, right? Where you know, what if when those players like your mood, your Moses Moody's and James Wiseman and Kaminga, when they had a ton, even Jordan Poole for that matter had carried a ton of weight and they could have packaged all that, that stuff to get actual legitimate veteran help or whatever that looks like to actually help them continue to win. Granted it paid off last year, but I just think that that is going to really damage their, their timeline moving forward or the, what they're able to do. Um, I do think they'll probably resign Draymond, which I think is the right move. Um, Clay, they owe 37 million, I think this year. And then he's a free agent 2024. So we'll see what happens there. But Wiggins is tied down. Pool is tied down. I just don't know what the what the options are for this team moving forward, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so I I'm I'm actually like it's funny we've talked a lot about Dream the the assumption that Draymond will be a free agent this summer, but his his player option for next season is 27 million. Like, is he gonna get paid? like a whole lot more than that on a yearly basis this summer um if he opts out like i i i kind of feel like it may not be a foregone conclusion that he opts out um i, I don't know I mean, how much do you guys in? think dream that's what i'm wondering like how much do you think draymond is worth like year to year now is he a 20 million dollar a year player i mean i think I what's know. tough is that's with the cap going up, right? You got some of these guys that I think Dame's new right. contract, he's even making like 60 million a year. So to right. me, if you're paying Draymond, like, I don't know, 30, 35, that, that yeah. somewhere in that ballpark per year seems right to me. I do think that there's a team that would pay him a longer contract. I just think that he, I, he's shown, yeah. he's shown at least defensively, like he's still that guy. He's still a huge difference maker. Yeah. Um, well, in his, when he was in attack mode offensively in this series, he made a big, enormous, big, uh, enormous difference. difference and he still can yeah. be yep. not exactly an offensive hub per se, but you can run a lot of action. He's still a playmaker offensively for sure. There was, I, I don't remember I, what pod I saw. So I real quick, I don't remember what pod it was. I was, I think it was ringer NBA show. I was listening to it today and they, they threw out like, what if you, what if Draymond went to like the Hawks, right? A team that like desperately Orlando? needs defense also i mean i i'm of the opinion that draymond would benefit most teams in the league but it obviously has to be a team that has at least decent shooting from outside because he's not going to bring a ton in that department but i think he would be fantastic on most teams in the league agree um i i'm going to throw out my prediction which is i think i think draymond is going to sign i think he'll he's either going to opt in um, for this last year, or he'll sign like a one plus one, or like a like a two plus one, or something 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 short term. Because I if I don't know if I if I was running that front office, I'm not trying to sign up for four more years with Clay and Draymond. Like they don't have that much productive basketball left. Um, I think Clay. I, I mentioned this I think in the group chat, but I think the best version of him at this point could be like Heat Ray Allen. Um, where he's not going to be asked to do much, but he's playing with a star and he's going to get some open shots and he's going to make a lot of them. Um, I think that's the best version of him we can get at this point. Um, 
and that's even that is probably only a couple more years. Um, and so I, I, I think the dynasty, when it comes to this core playing together, is going to last at least one more season, um, maybe maybe one or two. Um, but I think their time as a championship contender is likely cut off, is, is likely been snipped because um, I just, I can't, you know, the... The, the using the number two pick on Wiseman, trading him for Gary Payton, who is a very good player, but um, definitely not that valuable. Um, Moody looks like a, kind of like a rotation guy, but kind of meh. Um, Kaminga didn't play at all, which I think speaks to how they feel about him internally. Um, and then with Pool, with what Pool is making, um, I mean, the Lakers have the Lakers proved this year that uh, that. Any contract is tradable for value. Um, I haven't looked at what picks the Warriors actually have available to trade. I don't know if you would need to attach a pick to Jordan Poole to get like multiple good rotation players back, but that would probably help. But I don't. I'm not sure that more solid rotation players is what would take them over the top. I think they are one star team at this point, and it's and I don't. You know, I. I don't. I don't think that ceiling is championship at this point. I think they actually took advantage of their window last year before the Nuggets were healthy again, before the Lakers unloaded the backpack full of bricks they were carrying around. Um, I like. I think they took it. They kind of struck while the iron was hot, and I think that kind of was a little misleading as to maybe the the true quality of their team uh, cl- clearly championship worthy they beat the celtics who beat everybody else last year um but in the west they definitely struck while the iron was hot to your point I about think. leadership real quick it's interesting that right like with mostly the same core last year there was at least a relationship of trust between everybody and they hadn't screwed up that bridging the the generational gap but this year right i mean it's just starting out with, with Draymond punching Jordan Poole. I know that we talk about that all the time, but just think about what would have happened on, on this team had Draymond punched Jordan Poole with like a Sean Livingston on the team with a David West on the team with, with any of like, like, like the vets, right? Because Steph Clay Draymond, you know, they used to be the young blood with, with, you know, vets kind of holding it down. Now they're the ones that need to be the leaders of the team. I thought a telling quote was, or, um, or at least an experience was how Steph actually is not very vocal on that team, right? That came out with that game seven performance against Sacramento. A lot of players were saying things like, like, Oh, you know, Steph usually just lets his game do the talking. and isn't a voice in the locker room, but game seven in, in Sacramento, right. He, he, he went on like, Hey, like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. You, you know, you can follow me. Like that, and to you know, to his credit, he he showed up that game. But what I thought was telling is that it sort of seemed like he was he used up, you know, if not all of his bullets, then a really really important bullet in like round one, right? Like, you know, there wasn't a sense of like, yeah, we got this, right? It was like, hey, we need to really rally around game seven, round one. And so, in terms of trust between the players, in terms of leadership on the team, attitude reflect leadership, captain. So, <laughs> it, all, it all comes back to the leadership for Dan. 
<laughs> Sign up for the Dan the, the Dan Lyons uh, Leader of Men conference uh, with yeah. the promo code uh, hashtag exactly. magic. Uh, right, me and my co-leader Patrick Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> Just quality, quality leadership. No, I, I mean, what well, I, I think we can wrap up here um, because we've spent 25 minutes talking about the Warriors dynasty um, collapsing. Which, look, I'm, I'm here for it. We could spend the entire episode. Just keep throwing <laughs> dirt on that grave, baby. Let's throw dirt more dirt on that grave. I mean, I, I do think that. Look, obviously, Steph deserves all the flowers, right? Like, um, I may not have loved watching him over the years but i sure as heck have respected him the whole time that he's been doing this and i am terrified to see what he uh how he comes back how he bounces back from this next year because i think he's probably going to be out for blood so we will uh we will see what happens i i do want to uh kick kick us over to the the phoenix um denver series so phoenix speaking of going (laughs) quietly into that night that sweet sweet night um Phoenix once again just drops a massive dump on their fans in game six, just like in game seven of last year, they come out, get absolutely annihilated in game six. Booker doesn't talk to the media afterwards. There's weird vibes on the, I mean, I was sending you guys uh, video shots of Aiton and a couple other guys like laughing on the bench when they're down 30. Um, and then today the news comes out that uh, Monty Williams was, quote, dismissed, you know, fired. Um, and how they're going to, you know, they're interested in going after Ty Lue. But what are your guys's? I mean, what were your guys' thoughts kind of watching uh, watching that series end and where where the Suns go from here? Man, I'll kick it off with it. I, I don't know what your mud pie moment is this week, Pat. So if if this is stepping on your toes, tell, tell me to get off. But somebody... <laughs> oh, okay, it's not. Great. It's not. Don't you worry. You're good. So Proceed. on Wednesday, DeAndre Ayton was asked, "What is your definition of success in the NBA?" And it was like, "Oh, that's easy. Getting my second contract." <laughs> and he. So that was a quote from 2018. Oh, actually. really? I just want to point oh, that, that was? out. That okay. was a. That they was retweeted bad. it. They pulled it out of the archives. But, but when I brought up my sort of like, uh-huh. I don't. I'm out on Ayton. That's a big driving force behind it. He's been open. He was open about the fact mm-hmm. that that was like his goal in the NBA was to get his second contract. Well, guess what? He's gotten a second contract and we've seen what his production has been like. It hasn't really changed. doesn't seem to be locked in. doesn't seem to be, you know, engaged or really care all that much. Yeah, anyway, no, Dan, no, no, sorry, no, no, that's great. Um, there. The, but, and, and just exactly right. That's the point that I want to want to emphasize is like for somebody who is, is supposed to be like a really integral part of like this team. There's that edge and that like desire in the playoffs. I just didn't really see from, from Aiton, right from, I saw from book book was like, man, I'm like, I'm, you know, kind of taking responsibility on it. Um, and you just can't sustain that level of shot making that he had over a couple games. Right. Obviously one of a couple of games was, was really good, but you know, just there, but kind of to your overall point and also to our points about the Warriors and, and leadership, right? Like just did not pass the vibe test at all in terms of a team who wanted to be locked in like a team, a team United, right? Where we, we saw some players really locked in really everything and some players who were just out in La La Land, you know, or if not out in La La Land, they weren't ready for the moment, despite Landry Shamit having a moment. There were there's other things, but 
what's really cool about the playoffs, um, right? We saw with the Lakers with Lonnie Walker, right? Someone who didn't play a lot and, you know, in an absolutely enormous moment was what was ready for the task. Um, and, and playoffs are just great. Like the great, great stories of, and that is a testament to the team, I think. Right. Because you see all the time, uh, sons, uh, players get, like getting in and not being ready for, for, for the moment. And, and there is individual responsibility in, in being ready, but I think it's also like a team coach, like, you know, I joke about it, right. But attitude reflect leadership. So I think that, that the Suns, you know, I obviously really like Mott. I think, I think he's, he's a great guy, great coach, but it's also clear that that was a team that was made up a bunch of individuals and somehow less than the sum of their parts. I'm actually gonna, gonna kind of gonna go the opposite way, which is, I think it's just, I think, I think it was just a personnel thing. Like I, I like to some extent, I think they reached their potential uh, based on the players that they had, especially the players that they had healthy. Like, Obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. We were all excited about the trade. We all talked about them, you know, as a possible title contender with KD. But we, we, we all definitely should have diagnosed the fact that they had, you know, four reliable players uh, on this team. Period, and that's like that's like being generous towards DeAndre Ayton and Chris Paul on nights that they're healthy. And the, just the absolute wing defense drain that has happened there um, over the last year. Jay Crowder, uh, gone at the beginning of the season. Cam Johnson, gone in the trade. Mikhail Bridges, gone in the trade. You know, it, it, it's just no team has ever been able to rely on Landry Shamit. No team has been able to really rely on TJ Warren outside of the bubble. Like, you can't really be mad that you weren't able to rely on Jock Landale to deliver you like a game six performance against Nikola Jokic. Like this team is fatally flawed. Uh, they kind of have the opposite pro- uh, problem of the Warriors where I feel like the Warriors part of their problem is they only have one star right now. They have the stars. They just don't have the team. Um, and I don't think that was Monty Williams's fault. Um, there, they, there were issues in that locker room. I feel like those issues were more related to those players. Um, who are just going to have issues, uh, whatever situation they're in. Um, I definitely think firing Monty was throwing the baby out with the bath, the bathwater. And I, I think it's, you know, it's going to be tricky remaking the roster because, but, but with that said, they only have like four guys under contract. So they could come back with a really different looking supporting cast next year. And I could really be behind it. But that would also depend on the coach. I just, I, I don't think, especially with how well Denver's playing, I don't think we should have necessarily expected much more than what this team gave us. They, they they just got our hopes up in games three and four with the way Devin Booker and Katie were playing, I think. It was unsustainable though, right? I mean, it always felt a little bit like, I don't want to say fool's gold because though those two guys are, are top 10 dudes, right? I don't know if, I mean, I would make the case that Booker's in that top 10 now. I, I totally. don't know if everyone would consider him that, but yeah. um, the level of shot making from those two guys and their ability to, to just, you know, take these insane pull-up twos, threes over multiple guys and, and hit them at a, a high clip is unmatched in the league, in my opinion. 
But to your point, Jay, could not agree more. Um, this reeks of new owner syndrome to me. Comes in, makes the splashy trade basically right away, which I don't, by by no means do I disagree with that. I think you do that, you know, every day of the week um, because it's Kevin Durant. But using the, the coach as kind of the fall guy should be a little bit of a mini mud pie moment of the week, in my opinion. Like, Monty, I'm not saying Monty's the greatest coach in the world, but he did take you to the finals a couple of years ago. And um, last year, I mean, what are they? They had like, what, 64, 65 wins or something? Um, I know they couldn't get, get it done in the playoffs, but there was obviously a lot more going on there. I just, if the hope is like, oh, we're going to bring in somebody who can be the eight and whisperer, like, I'm just not convinced that that's going to be the case. And then you've got Chris Paul, who you can pretty much guarantee that that dude's going to get injured in the playoffs from, from here on out. And so, and he's going to be really hard to move if they want to move on from him. There's rumors that they want to sign a, a younger point guard, which I guess is still doable, but I don't know. I don't know how you move that, that contract without attaching something to it. Well, I, well, what important thing to point out is that that contract, I think is only half guaranteed. So I oh, think okay. it's, only, I know that. it's only 15 million guaranteed, I think. And so, um, so a team could trade for him and waive him and, and potentially, um, uh, clear up a lot of space, and so, but it would. I think it's a similar situation to to the Russ situation, where it's gonna. I I don't know if it's gonna be a team that actually trades for him because they want his on court contributions, um, but a, a team that kind of wants to clear the books a little bit. Let's go ahead and and move on to the last team that we saw go down this week, which is the Knickerbockers of New York. Gotta say, guys, was pretty disappointed with the series overall. <laughs> I was expecting a lot more. I think what we learned, at least for me personally, in these six games that we watched, was that uh, to me it was confirmation that the New York, the, the Knicks' offense is just—it's just not good. Like it's way too ISO dependent when those guys aren't on. When when multiple guys aren't on, it's not enough to get it done. I think Jay. I think Brunson had like half their points last night and played out of his mind. I know he had a costly turnover turnover at the end of the game, but to, and I think, didn't he play all 48 minutes too? Like it, just the burden that he was carrying was insane. Um, I'm going to save my Julius Randall thoughts for uh, <laughs> after I give you guys a chance to kind of talk about your, uh, your take on this series. But um, yeah, I walked away, obviously disappointed. I had chosen the Knicks before the, the series started to win in six. I thought that they had, you know what it took and they certainly had their chances they just they could not get it done on, on offense it's not like the heat were again burning down any any barn doors with their their offense they were just playing muck it up heat basketball and that was enough to get it done against a, a Knicks offense that was just not good I feel like the uh, real losers of the series are the Cleveland Cavaliers like dude seriously by the, <laughs> by the transitive property whew, they are they are a long ways from being com- as competitive as as uh, I'm just going to eat some crow right now, as competitive as I thought they would be. Oh, um, I think we all did. You know, I think we. I all was did. talking like they. I was talking like they had a fighter's chance in like you know a series against oh, one of the yeah. three top seeds and stuff, and because um, yeah. they they profiled as a regular season team. Is that good of a team? Not to make this about the Cavs, but I just feel like I feel like what we learned about the Knicks in this series is that they beat the Cavs by just being rock solid. Um, 
by being rock solid, by being tough, by being, uh, by executing uh, and having dudes that they can trust with the ball in their hands down the stretch of playoff games. Um, and the Cavs didn't have that. The Heat have that and more. The Heat have a ceiling and the Knicks have a floor. And I think that's what we saw. So that's, I, I you know, I think the Knicks are another team that, you know, uh, fulfilled their potential. I don't think much more could have been expected of them this year. I think they way exceeded expectations. Yeah. And the question will be, how do they tweak things to make room for some ceiling guys? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at their kind of their cap sheet, but they're definitely at a spot where if, if a really good player, superstar were to become available, that's a, that's a landing spot. Just step right up, make it happen. Because yeah, they they are waiting for a guy to raise their ceiling too. Yeah, completely agree with that. As far as like, I couldn't have said it better that they were a team that definitely reached their potential, right? Like, if you had told us like at the at the beginning of the year that they would win like a playoff series. I mean, and the, and I know that they lost to a, a a number eight seed, but you know we can all agree that the Heat aren't a normal number eight. But they they probably played to to the best of their their abilities, and it is wild to think that through everything through decades of mismanagement and this and that, you know that they could be a a potential landing spot for somebody interesting, and who that is, right? You know, great question, and how that to Jay's point about their cap sheet, like don't know how they're going to clean that up, but New York Knicks landing spot, it's not out of the question. And, and so I definitely think I, and I hope that the Knicks fans and I think front office do look at this season as a success and, you know, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and now I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> we've, we've reached the point, I think where we need to talk about Julius Randall. So can, can bounce pass to you, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, bounce pass to me. I'm going to, I'm going to be Julius now. I'm going to, I'm going to catch it. And I'm going to jab step 47 times. And then I'm going to take it leaning to my right, fall away, fly a 15-footer, and clank it off the rim. I mean, so the thing about Julius that is so frustrating to me is he has shown flashes and an ability to be so much more than what what the way that he played in the series, right? Like, I think that he came to New York. Jay, you brought this point up in our text thread which I thought was a really, really good point. He really kind of helped turn around the, how the Knicks were perceived. They were the laughingstock of the East for a, a long time, maybe even of the league. Um, I think the Kings probably held that spot for many, many years, but in the East, at least um, the Knicks were up there. And so Julius does, does, I think he deserves credit for coming in and, you know, helping sort of, form that team into what it is now and form the perception of that team in the league into what it is now. What's frustrating for me though, is like we've seen this guy play on teams where he can play off ball. It doesn't have to be like, Hey, if I don't get the ball, I'm going to be completely checked out on defense or I'm not going to move off the ball at all. If we go three, four possessions without me having a chance to touch the rock and do my jab step game I don't know where the Knicks go from here in terms of like, I mean, look like the guy also has made what two all NBA teams in the last three seasons. So it's not like he's some dud. He's clearly got a ton of talent. It's just, to me, it's, it's a question of, 
can do you feel like you can actually capitalize on that talent and maybe convince him to play in more of a system if Thibodeau can can set up um you know some sort of I don't know system moving forward because it certainly didn't look like they have one had one honestly the last two playoff series they played in um or do you trade him and if you do what kind of value are you going to get back I I don't I don't know what that looks like. I can't answer that. I would assume that that's not going to be as high of value as they would probably be looking for. Yeah. He's not their only money problem. Um, uh, they are still, uh, the next, uh, two seasons. No, sorry. Yeah. The next two seasons, uh, still have Evan Fournier on the books. Yeah. Um, Who play for? Evan Ooh. For- yeah. <laughs> he's on the team uh, still. To be clear, nobody is listening to the podcast. Do not Google the word Fournier. Do not Google it and, and try to figure out what it means because it has another meaning that is um, unpleasant. Uh, just don't. Uh, anyway. Jason um, lived in France for three weeks in 2022, so he's well-versed in French culture and the French it language. It's true, but that's more from my uh, participation in, in NBA Twitter. Anyway, yeah, Evan Fournier is making 80, $18 million next season. Um, I, I, I guess the second, the, the last year in his contract is a team option, so they can get him off the books in 2024. But, yeah, he's making $18 million next season. They're, I think you know, Josh Hart has a player option for this next year, and if I was him, I would be opting out and trying to get a deal because I think his value is really high right now. People realize he's a player that can help just about any team. But yeah, now they're in a position where, you know, they, they have to uh, extend or re-sign Obi Toppin, Manuel Quickly, and Quinn Grimes. And so, yeah, they, they have a lot of decisions to make. And I think there's a lot of cat rumors swirling around that team. I don't think he's the star I was describing to, like, take them to contender status. Um, it's not the star you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I guess you could use Evan Fortier uh, with picks attached plus, you know, a, a player or two to, to make a, a trade like that happen if they really wanted to. But, um, yeah, I, it's it's a tough situation with Julius. I, I always support him. I am with Zach Lowe on Julius Randall Hill forever. Um, and I think he could – I think what you're saying is I, I think he could – absolutely play a role on a championship winning team he could be a starter for a championship winning team i think but especially with that kind of versatility but uh, who that is slotted next to they don't have on the roster right now at least um so yeah i think they're just headed for mid-tier playoffs again next year which is a nice place for them to be but not where they hope to be eventually no i one one last thought and then we can move on i i also I just don't know what RJ Barrett is moving forward. That was one of my other takeaways from the series is he's another guy that he doesn't, I mean, he doesn't really have explosive athleticism. He's not blowing guy buys off the dribble. Um, blowing, <laughs> yeah. Blowing by guys off the dribble. What did blowing I just say? Blowing shy guys. guys off the dribble. Listen, I just saw, <laughs> I just saw the super Mario uh, brothers movie again with my children this morning for the second time. <laughs> so I got shy guys on the mind. Peaches, um, peaches, peaches. Dude, don't, I'm going to have that song stuck in my head. Peaches, 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 peaches. Jack Black, just, just an absolute delight. Um, so I, I mean, I, 
I just don't know what he is moving forward. I don't know what role he plays on this team. You know, obviously they were ready to ship him off potentially in that Donovan trade last summer that didn't come to fruition. But is he a guy that they would include in a package with picks to get a star? I think the answer is probably yes. So um, we'll see. Lots of questions heading into the offseason. But to our, our earlier point, I do think this is a season they should be super proud of. And they absolutely outperformed any expectations they had. Let let's let's talk about moving forward and move into kind of focusing on our conference finals matchups. I do before we get into Lakers Nuggets, I do want to spend a minute just talking about this Boston Philly game seven that's <laughs> happening tomorrow afternoon. Game so- seven, <laughs> game seven, baby, game seven, nothing easy. Um. Hopefully nothing easy in the game tomorrow. We'll we'll see which Boston and Philly uh, teams show up to play. We'd love to get your guys' thoughts though on who do you guys think is going to uh, to take game game seven tomorrow. I personally think that un- unfortunately for Jason and for other Sixers fans, I, I think Boston probably gets it done, um, stops playing with their food, and comes out firing in game seven. But again, you just never know. I got the who do you Celtics guys have game seven, tomorrow? and that's because. So James has shown me up a couple of times. Mr. Harden himself has had some phenomenal games this series. However, he has also had some real poo-poo platters. I, as as the point guard of that team, and B did not touch the ball what the last four minutes of of that game. And if 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 I'm right, if I'm Doc Rivers, that's gotta just be unacceptable. Like, how do you not get? like MB touches like they they should have finished um Celtics in game 6 and big credit to the Celtics for playing tough and big credit to Tatum for really like fighting through an an awful awful game to hit some huge shots at the end but you know humbly Dan <laughs> he's he's one of the best players in the world so, humbly you know oh uh, <laughs> go get go get <laughs> Humbly, I'm the best. I'm the best there. That's such a Ricky Bobby quote, man. Like humbly, I'm the I'm the best there is. You know, like humbly Go with humility. A I come before you, Jason Tatum. Oh my gosh! <laughs> After yeah. absolutely crapping uh, the bed for the first three quarters of the game. Yeah, and he uh, came through. It mattered um, so, most. But anyway, sorry so to interrupt. I think just Harden has shown us who he is, though, right? Like, like if there was, if right that like. Game six should have been Harden's moment to like finally exercise some some playoff demons, take out a dagger and just like and just slash the Celtics' throat, like and be like, you know what, like you're you're done, and not by like, and 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 you do that not by like hitting five step back threes in a row or whatever. You do that by making the right play when, and it turns out that a lot of times the right play is to get the freaking ball to your MVP teammate at the nail, right? Like, Or take one of the many open right. floaters or mid-rangers that were available to him. It's so weird when he's Oh, he's, he's great. Even mid-range, right? Like, he has so a mid-range game. Like, like, I don't know. So anyway, it's, it's more... I think that if... I think if both teams played to... Like, if they... If they and, and we all know that Game 7s are just rock fights, right? So it's just going to be an absolute slugfest tomorrow. I think if both teams played to their potential, played the best games that they could, I think Philly would win, honestly. 
but I also I just I I can't see them showing up for the moment. And so I might I might eat crow on that, but I I just don't see Philly showing up for the moment. So I'm I'm gonna give it to Boston. Jason, where your where's your I'm, head at? I'm mentally preparing uh, for Grant Williams <laughs> just... to hit seven threes in this game. I watched last year's Game Seven with Milwaukee at my friend's house, who are Bucks fans, um, and we just had to sit there and watch Grant Williams make three after three after three in that second half. So infuriating. He it's like it was like he's he he like did a space jam <laughs> essence transfer with I was thinking that he watched Thunderstruck but instead of stealing um, Kevin Durant's powers he stole game six clay powers yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm mentally preparing for that but f- and, and especially because Philly really felt like it felt like Philly gave Boston their best punch in game six and then it didn't work out and so but this whole series has been Philly, Philly surprising us when it seemed like they're back against the wall. If they do win tomorrow, they'll have won three games in Boston in this series. And that would just be chef's kiss. And so um, all of my support, all of my love to the Philadelphia 76ers, I'm there with you in spirit tomorrow. Do your thing. Don't let the ghost <laughs> of Red Auerbach turn off the air conditioning for you. Um <laughs> You've you've Man, got this, F Boston. But um, I have, I'm mentally preparing for Boston to win this game tomorrow. But if Philly loses, they might be able to get into the Monty Williams uh, uh, coaching lottery real quick. Ooh, so you know, now we're talking. So just, I was just, I was just about to say, no matter what happens, <laughs> yeah. we're going to get some great Glenn the oh, Musical man. content that we can use. Eventually. <laughs> we sure are. Either way, and that is the that is the biggest reason to <laughs> to pick Boston in this game. Maybe I should put money on them. Let me go look at that money line. <laughs> oh my gosh. Just amazing Glenn the Musical uh, uh, content here. So here's what I will say. I mean, so thinking forward to the the Eastern Conference Finals matchup, I don't know about you guys, but it does feel like, and I, I don't want to, I keep doing this with, with Miami, so maybe this is a mistake on my end, but it just, it to me, it feels like whoever wins the series is going to beat Miami. But again, as I'm saying that, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Miami is definitely a... Shocked us. Um, I mean, huge shock in round one. And then I think round two was kind of a toss up, but I still was a little bit surprised to see them carry the magic from round one into round two. How do you guys feel about the, uh, the conference finals matchup, whether it's Boston or Philly facing Miami? I think regardless of who it is, I think that they will underestimate them, whether, whether it is the Celtics or, or the Sixers just, and I mean, maybe I'm just speaking because we all like underestimated them play in whatever it is but i mean they're they're playing with not they're not only playing with like house money they play with confidence right i think that's part of heat culture is that they just don't back down from anybody right and they've they've already beat the number one seed the maybe the maybe the best team at least on paper um like left and so huge huge confidence booster for them now top end talent Right. If either the Sixers or the Celtics have more just firepower in it, but the Heat just have this way, especially this Heat team and this Heat culture, have a way of just getting under people's skin and 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 kind of getting them to play down to their level. Right. I think you said it earlier, Pat, it was the perfect way to describe it, just to muck it up. Right. Just get in there and it's dirty and it's gross and it gets everywhere. And, uh, <laughs> 
It's everywhere. And uh, I just, yeah, I, w- I would say that this, this Heat team deserves to be estimated, especially if they can hit some shots, right? Obviously, they, they showed that they can shoot. Yes, I can shoot against uh against the bucks and uh and if if they have some of that magic return for the conference finals then you know hey who 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 knows what can happen i i I feel pretty good about the heat's chances whether it's the celtics or the sixers reason being just plainly i think the celtics at this time of year were better than they are right now last year um and the heat took them to seven I think they're, the Heat are every bit as good as they were last year, if maybe even a little role, like better or just to have a little bit more men, momentum going into the conference finals that they, they, they did last year. Um, I know the Celtics didn't have Brogdon last year, but they had Udoka. And I think that's, a, that's showing to be a big thing. And I think either way, the coaching uh, mismatch is going to be huge in the conference finals. So I think Spo Spo will ring as much, you know, juice out of that orange as possible. And I think it's going to be a competitive series either way. I think I would feel great about the Sixers chances against, or sorry, the Heat's chances against the Sixers just because of what they did to them last year. I don't feel like, you know, for the regular season, it felt like the Sixers were a lot different team than they were last year but this playoffs they have seemed like a very similar team than the one last year and so now they have played a lot better in the Celtics series than than last year's team would have so I mean I kind of all over the place here but I like the I like the matchup better um with the Sixers for for Miami but I think they can definitely compete with either team and they're rolling right now and so I yeah I I think it's going to be at least a six or seven game series no, no matter who they play, and I, I'm not going to bet against Jimmy Butler in that situation, especially with the fact that both these teams are just so inconsistent and they so disconnected from what their identity should be right now. I feel like so, yeah, yeah, but yeah, zombie heat, baby, zombie heat out in full yeah. force. Kyle Lowry all of a sudden is back from the grave and is taking <laughs> charges and hooking people's arms and doing Kyle Lowry stuff, game after game after game. I do think. Look, like speaking of Spo, I know we've talked about him a lot the last few episodes. Can we just like lock in coach of the year for him in 2023-24 season? Like I don't it's time. It's time for him to win that award. Um yeah, I mean he's just been incredible like playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers for sure. So I do think to your point Jay, I I would take either the Sixers or the or Boston probably over the Heat, but I do think it's going to be a 6 or 7 game series because the Heat are just there. They're rolling right now. Um, let's move over, to the, move over to the Western Conference. So we've got game one tipping off this upcoming Tuesday between the Lakers and the Nuggets. How's everyone feeling? Jason, how are you feeling about, the, feeling about that series, feeling about your chances? I think it's going to be an awesome, awesome series, and I think this is one that I think it's going to go long. I do. Yeah, I, w- I would certainly expect that. Um, you know, I... I the last 24 hours has been a lot of texts from friends that live here and a lot of perusing of Nuggets Twitter, which somehow I've gotten very connected with. I don't know how that happened, but the algorithm, like, you know, praise the algorithm. Nuggets fans are extremely cocky right now. And 
That's a I don't. I don't understand it. Uh, I don't know if they didn't watch or the, the first two rounds the Lakers have played. Um, well, yeah, that that is different though. Like you have you have to point out the Nuggets have a much different team than they have in the bubble. Um, you know, they the fact that you know in the bubble they were like cycling Will Barton in and out and Gary Harris in and out and Michael Porter Jr. was was really really raw yeah. back then. Um, and they didn't have Aaron Gordon. Um, KCP, you know, baby. Were, yeah, that's what I'm gonna, that's what I was gonna say. They have they have Aaron Gordon, KCP. Um, these guys have grown up. Jokic is better than he was three years ago. Um, they're gonna they're gonna be a handful. And they, you know, it's gonna be really interesting because, you know, a lot of these first two rounds for the Lakers have been trying to find a way for AD to not always be involved in the action defensively like when other teams are running pick and rolls like finding ways for him to be able to be at the rim helping protecting the rim i think in this series is going to be just like the the warriors made a point of doing at the end of the series of getting him in the action i think ad is going to have to be defending the action in this series because this isn't the bubble where the lakers are going to play a center next to ad um, they're not going to play big like that um, and so AD is going to spend a lot of minutes guarding Nikola Jokic, if not every minute he's on the floor with him, potentially. And so, I mean, I've, I've said this before. I feel like AD was built in a lab to, if there's, if there's somebody who's going to give Jokic fits, it's AD. And I feel like one of them is going to come out of this series, like just minted, at least for now, right? It's either going to be Jokic finally getting over the hump against his you know, most worthy adversary or AD kind of reasserting that he is that guy again after this series. And that's, that's what I'm most excited about is that matchup. See which one of them can get in the other in foul trouble potentially. I do think this could be a big offensive series for AD. Finally, they don't have anybody to, to they don't have any of those like really fire hydrant guys that, you know, like Draymond, that's going to, like, uh, be able to guard him well in the post. Obviously, Jokic is thick, but he's not quick. And so AD can get in the high post and kind of operate on him. If they switch Gordon onto him, that'll be interesting because then Jokic has to guard somebody else. I'm going to say I think the key, one of the keys is going to be um, the other guys, which is I think this could be a huge series for Reeves, for Russell, uh, for Schroeder, for Lonnie, if he keeps playing. I think this is a series where they're going to get be able to get a lot of open shots, um, and especially in those non-Jokic minutes, uh, I think the Lakers could really take advantage because this this Lakers offense is, is, we talked about a Hydra earlier, like you, you cut off AD's offense, you cut off LeBron's offense, three other dudes' offense kind of uh, emerges. Um, it's a very versatile offense, and I... I'm not confident in the in Denver's defense to actually slow them down as much as the Lakers defense can slow Denver's offense down. I don't know, it's 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 gonna be a really great matchup kind of specific series. Lakers and six gonna follow the pattern. That's a good pattern to follow. I I do like yeah. it's crazy to me that we're sitting here at this point of the season talking about the Lakers depth, thinking back where they were at the at the beginning of the season. It's absolutely nuts. Like I do think Rob deserves at least a little bit of credit. It's been, I mean, honestly, it's been a, it's been a joy for me watching these random dudes just step up to the plate when they're needed and have 
these you know huge games even multiple games sometimes like Rui had just otherworldly games against Memphis in the first round did not yep. see that coming at all Delos had some games set some real stinkers too but like it's it's okay right like this there's there's depth on this team where if one guy doesn't have it well guess what we, we you know if Delos not feeling it you can plug in a Lonnie you can plug in I mean Schroeder's been playing huge minutes as well um it's been cool to watch. I I will say a couple things. So it does feel like, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a vibes guy and I don't want to steal too much of Dan's uh, <laughs> magic here, but it does feel like this Lakers team has a little bit of magic this, this season, this in these playoffs, like some of these games against golden state, seeing what Lonnie Walker did was just like, an out-of-body experience like what is happening right now hitting you know these long twos going off for 15 points in the fourth quarter when he hadn't played basically at all in months for me the icing on the cake or the cherry on top was Reeves heaving like a 55 footer at the halftime buzzer last night and hitting it and that dude man like ice in his veins celebration after every single three he's hitting like playing up the crowd hyping up the crowd he's He's on one right now, and it's super, super fun to watch. Um, and then Anthony Davis has just been out of control on defense. I mean, seeing him locked as locked in as he is right now, I do think that that him and Braun are obviously they can taste it. They can taste that you know the, their second ring together. Obviously, for for LeBron, this would be his fifth, which would just be another you know feather in his cap from a legacy standpoint. So it'll be it'll be great to see what what. AD does on defense, how he locks in against Jokic. This is going to be definitely his toughest assignment up to this point in the playoffs, but I think he's up for it. And again, Jokic is not exactly a, a world beater on defense. The last thing I would say is I, I from the Denver side of things, um, their offense is humming right now, man. That That's the one thing that would, if I were a, Laker, a Lakers fan, I would be, uh, I would be worried about is um, they're going to have to be really locked in from a rotation standpoint right? Because Jokic just being at the hub of that offense and just, you know, zinging the ball all over the court, getting guys open shots and their guys have been hitting them. So I I think for the Lakers, it's going to be, it's going to be a tough assignment defensively. But again, I think that they've got the offensive firepower to, to match that potentially. So, oh man, this is tough. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to say Lakers in seven. I think this Lakers team has a has magic in its pocket in these playoffs. So Dan, <laughs> man, sorry, that so was a long first, um, I had the exact same this? thought as Jason where I'm like, this is a big, this is going to, this is a premier big man battle, right? This is like kind of old school, like, you know, Akeem versus Shaq, Duncan versus Shaq, a lot of guys versus Shaq um, type of type of battle. But it's kind of cool that in 2023, you know, we thought that, Oh right, Warriors pace and space. The big man is dead. We we're, we're getting a really good, really really good big man versus big man matchup. With that said, oh man, I I do. There's a big part of me that does believe in 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 the vibes, right? We're watching that that Lakers team and the depth and from where they started to now they're here. They, so they've had a weird you know, for being the Lakers, they, they have had a weird, nobody believes in us sort of vibe going. And they've had just some great um, composure 
and guys stepping up. I do think that someone like Lonnie Walker stepping up, I do believe that that is a team sort of united team mentality where right leaders are saying, Hey, locked in. You don't know when you're, when are you going to get called on? So you need to be locked in. And so obviously huge credit to like Lonnie Walker and, and Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves for, you know, being ready when called upon. But I do think that that's a reflection of the, the, the leadership of the team. So I do like that. With that said, I'm going, I'm going nuggets in seven. I think Jokic is just otherworldly right now, right? Just, just, looking at that he's this is peak of his powers and if he like he can score over you he can pass around you right if you're not shooting 80 percent from the field then he's then then i I think then i think he's gonna beat you i i think that we're gonna have a Jokic game we're gonna have a murray game i think we're gonna get a lebron game actually i think we're gonna i think we're gonna get where, where, where he reaches back into it but i think that Denver's Denver's offense is just too is is just going to prove to be like a just just too powerful, but I don't think it's going to be easy. So I think it's going to go to seven. My main kind of thought with that is is that if if the Lakers do win, it it it, it would be in part because this Golden State series was a really good warm up when it comes to the attentiveness, the lock in that they needed to have, the fact that there are dudes all over the court who could get the ball unexpectedly and drain a three over you at any point the fact that they were up to that challenge makes me feel good about their chances defending Denver and I feel like Denver's offense isn't isn't doesn't have that same kind of at any point the Viper is going to strike you thing necessarily that the Warriors have but it is more kind of they're constantly attacking you in a, in, in a way that maybe isn't the same with the Warriors. I, I will say if the Nuggets win, I think it'll because Mur- it'll it would be because Murray has a huge series. That, that's what I'll say there. Yeah, and I think that so last point, I think what's unique about this Lakers team, maybe in comparison to other teams that Denver has faced or would have potentially faced, is the Davis factor. Like the fact that you don't when you have Davis guarding Jokic, you really don't have to send doubles. Like he has the ability to guard him one-on-one um, it, to your earlier point, Jay, in a, in a very unique way. Like I'm not sure there's any other player in the league that, that has that ability to guard him one-on-one in the post to guard him out in space. Like he, he's sort of nimble enough and has that defensive sort of explosiveness to be able to anchor that defense. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this series. And um, again, look, now that the Warriors are out, I can uh, really, really enjoy the playoffs again with a lower level of anxiety. So let's go ahead and move into the mud pie moment of the week. Um, I'm going to make this quick. I, I don't think this is going to surprise you guys at all. This is a, this is a, this is a, so look, I, let me start by saying this as, <laughs> as journalists ourselves, right. You know, in the, uh, the podcast world, capital J baby, capital J. <laughs> The, in the content creation world, I, I like to think that we uh, we have a high level of of integrity, and we like to keep our our biases in check, right? Are we open about things things that we don't enjoy? Uh, yes, but when it comes to making choices about who we feel like are going to win series, um, you know how certain players are playing in different series, I do feel like we are pretty objective in our takes. Again, despite some of that. Uh, that dislike or even disdain sometimes coming through. There's a journalist out there that I would say is uh, not quite on that level. Um, may want to learn a thing or two from us, you know, someday. 
And that journalist's name is Michael Penis uh, of the ringer.com. <laughs> Jason's favorite, favorite journalist, favorite, uh, really favorite guy to follow takes. on Twitter, really, really. favorite guy to listen to on podcasts. Um, <laughs> the, very the queen of slime, <laughs> the king of filth. Look, he came out before the Lakers Warriors series and said that the Warriors were going to sweep the Lakers. And his take was just so full of, you could just, you could feel it when he was giving the take so full of hatred, so biased, so subjective. And he had to eat crow. When this uh, when this series ended, and you know, to his credit, he did that. I know Jay, you brought up the point that you kind of have to because you're so visible in that role that people are going to call you out no matter what. So it's actually probably better to get ahead of it than not. Um, but man, just what a what a, a joyous occasion for me too. Um, watching him have to just completely eat it after this series, and hopefully, this is a little bit of a, a lesson for him moving forward that. Number one, you gotta check. You gotta check your uh, your biases at the door when you're doing this job. You know we've got we've got a lot of experience doing this, so we would know. Um, <laughs> and then second, man, like just just don't count out the king ever. Don't do it. And if you do, if you do do it, you know you you do it at your own risk. And so you got to pay the consequences. The uh, uh, when all is said and done. So that's my moment of the week. <laughs> You gotta eat the gift receipt, you know. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta eat the gift receipt, and it's sick. Yes, a freaking uh, man. what a <laughs> what a chef's kiss moment. And, and if Jokic goes crazy this series, I'm gonna have to eat the gift receipt too. We all have to eat the gift receipt sometimes, because I have been vocally uh, doubting the man's chops. He's all. I mean, he's already exceeded and i think anybody's expectations for this year but <laughs> if he beats the lakers i'm gonna have to swallow that gift yeah, receipt. Yeah. you're also not sitting here saying the mix. lakers are gonna sweep the nuggets either yes right? like come no, on definitely not definitely not so at least it's a realistic <laughs> take but anyway well i think that's uh i think that's gonna do it for us on this episode we'll be back again next week and uh excited to talk more hoops Thanks excited so to see much. what happens with this philly boston game tomorrow Give seven. <laughs> the man. Let's go. Do you hear the Sixers sing? <laughs> sing the songs. Of- <laughs> uh, listen, everybody. This is the dead. music of a heart, and that will not choke again. <laughs> oh my gosh! Incredible stuff. I think we need we to bring really musical. Uh, any something musical related to every episode moving forward. Oh.